Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry, and with me is Tim Parrish. And today we are going to talk about the 22-23 Upper Deck Extended Series. Don't call it Series 3. It is the Extended Series. We're also going to talk about a few of the upcoming releases. And I want to talk about the upcoming Puck Junk email newsletter that I'm going to be starting this week. Tim, how you been since uh, the last show? Um... I'm good. I'm good. No trees Holy... fall, fell on your house or car? No trees, or... no trees have fallen. No damage has been done. We're, uh, we're safe this week. I've no, marked no. myself safe from damage. So I uh, finally got around to opening those boxes of extended series. We'll talk about that a little later. Uh, what I do want to touch on, though, is that I'm starting an email newsletter, and you can sign up for that at puckjunk.com newsletter. And what I'm going to do is, in this newsletter... Basically, I'll just summarize like new hockey card releases, like what's coming out, what's come out, upcoming mail-in autograph opportunities with current and former hockey players, upcoming card shows that should have at least some hockey cards, any card show that I think is worth the trip. I'm not going to like necessarily list out like one day card shows because there's tons of those, but anything that's like a regional show or maybe more of a hockey-themed show that might be worth looking into. I'm going to mention those in the newsletter, as well as other hockey card and collectible news, and then any new T-shirts that I create or any T-shirt sales that I do on the Puck Junk online shop. I'll mention that as well. And then uh, you can sign up for that at puckjunk.com newsletter. Would this be a digital newsletter, or are you actually mailing these? No, email newsletter. I said that first. Uh, yeah, I think that's implied. I don't know if you're going off straight up old school or not. Oh, <laughs> trust me. I've thought about it, but it's like, that's it, just People so People don't do that kind of stuff anymore. Well, there's no value the in, there's no value in printed material except to a very specific demographic. And by demographic, I mean like an age group. People under 30. Don't care. If it's not online, they don't care. If it's not digital, if they can't look at it on their phone, they don't care. And that's fine. There are older people who like reading printed stuff. I'm one of them. You know, I like reading the hockey news. I like reading Sports Collectors Digest. I like reading these things. But I don't want to say we're in the minority, but it's... Yeah, we are. I remember we used to do a newsletter. This is when I worked at a toy company. We did a newsletter for these die-cast cars that we made that were collectible. They were called Johnny Lightning. And... People loved the newsletter, but it was just such a suck on time and resources, like doing the design and the layout, getting the writing. And by the time we sent the newsletter out to people, the information was outdated. Well, and that was always my big rub about Beckett. By the time the articles were printed and everything else, you're two months out from when it was originally planned. <laughs> it's right. basically like, oh, we're getting an article about the upcoming Stanley Cup playoffs. Cool, because it's over last week. So. Right. Well, I mean, with Beckett, at least in like the 90s and stuff, the thing is, is that information traveled a lot slower. And I'll give like, like a for instance now, like if Upper Deck says, hey, we're coming out with this set of cards and this is going to be the configuration, people know about it immediately. But 
30 years ago, if Upper Deck said, hey, we're making this new product, who would they tell? They would tell Beckett. They would tell Baseball Hobby News. They would tell Tough Stuff, right? They would tell the publications like, hey, we're making this product and here's the information on it. Then we would learn about that from those publications. Now what happens is that we learn about it from the retailers. Once they get the sell sheet and it's solicited, they put it out there and they let us know. So that kind of pretty much killed any possibility of getting new and newsworthy information from printed materials. Yeah, that internet, they had to go and kill everything, didn't it? So to answer your question again, no, Tim, it will not be a printed newsletter. It will be an email newsletter. Sign up for it at puckjunk.com newsletter. Moving on, upcoming releases for August. So August 10th, we saw the release of 2023-24 MVP at Hobby and Retail. Can you believe it? We're already getting 23-24 hockey cards. And yet, some of the other cards on this list are from 21-22 and 22-23. So August 10th, we got next year's MVP. August 13th, we have Last year, well, I guess two years ago, 21-22, Stature. August 23rd will be the release of 22-23 Upper Deck CHL and 22-23 Upper Deck Black Diamond. And then August 30th, we'll see 22-23 Upper Deck Skybox Metal Universe and 21-22 Upper Deck Ultimate Collection. So... Yeah, I mean, and most of those don't have dates. They're just tentatively for the month because they're mm-hmm. supposed to be released. They could still get pushed back. So we could have half the 23 releases out and still getting 21s roll out. I mean, I like Skybox Metal Universe, as I've said a million times. And in fact, for some reason, our episode about the 2122 Skybox Metal Universe had a lot more listens than most of our other episodes. So I think that our listeners or Fans who listen to hockey podcasts or hockey card podcasts also like that set because that particular episode has a significant amount more listens than our other episodes. But um, that's just the algorithm. You had metal in the search title, so people went there looking for music stuff. Oh, they thought it was going to be the mega metal cards from the 90s. They thought we were going to talk about Metallica tour and, and that kind of stuff. I haven't liked Metallica since the whole Napster thing. Jeez, that was a long time ago. I know, I hold a grudge. Apparently. Yeah, well, I mean... That's like just... saying, I haven't liked Metallica since they kicked Dave Mustaine out. Well, that doesn't count. They weren't really Metallica back then. Sure they were. They were, but they weren't. I mean, they weren't. They didn't I... have, like, major albums or anything. I mean, Mustaine's a damn good guitarist, but we're better off having Metallica and Megadeth as two separate groups. Agreed. Yes, the Heavy Metal Podcast is for another time. We'll have to get Brian back on. Yeah. (laughs) And then we could settle once and for all. I know they're not heavy metal, but we could settle once and for all what the second best Queensryche album is. The second best? Mind Crime. We're going Mind Crime is the best? Yeah, I mean, duh. Okay. So second best. I'm privy to Empire, but. Yes, you'd see Empire and I'd say Rage for Order. So that's where we agree to disagree. I actually like some of the newer stuff without Jeff Tate, too. So. Ooh, sacrilege. Eh, you know, fights amongst brothers are not my concern, as long as they're still putting out good music. Right, right. So anyway, Upper Deck Extended Series. I love to call it Series 3. That's what it is in my mind. I think Upper Deck 
kind of positions it as extended series, almost like it's not necessary content, it's bonus content. Like series one and series two are like part one and part two of a movie. And then extended series is kind of like the bonus features on the DVD. I don't know. I don't see it that way. I see it as the third chapter, the final act in a three act play or a three act movie or a three act whatever. Maybe it's the cutscenes during the credits. Oh, okay. We can go I don't with know. That. Clemente said something to me at the um, national that I agreed with that extended series tends to be really underappreciated by collectors or just by the general hockey card collecting population. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And he may have talked to you about that separately because we had that same conversation about it. Mm -hmm. You know, my point was because they generally reserve extended. I mean, look, young guns have been the feature focus of upper deck flagship sets for many, many, many years. So now that we have extended, it's like we've already stretched our ability to throw as many young guns into a set release as we can. Oh, by the way, we need 35 more or 50 more or whatever they're doing. Right. For that, that setup. And it's like, what do we go to now? So if you look at most of the releases with extended so far, that grouping has been kind of lackluster with some few exceptions. I think this year's the 22-23 is no different. So let me just give a little bit of background information about the set for our listeners. So 22-23 Upper Deck Extended Series, it's about $95 a box. You get 24 packs in a box. You get eight cards per pack. Now, this is the last Upper Deck flagship set that will have this configuration because next year for Upper Deck Series 1 in 23-24, A box goes from 24 packs to 12 packs. A pack goes from 8 cards to 12 cards. So we get less packs, but more cards per pack. But overall, a box goes from 192 cards to 144 cards. And there's going to be the inclusion of more numbered parallels. And if I remember correctly, you still get six young guns per box. But now you're just kind of getting them every other pack instead of every fourth pack. And figured that packs are probably going to be like $10 each. But I guess we'll tackle that when we get to it. But yeah, so this is the last hurrah of the eight cards per pack, 24 packs per box. Now, as far as just the breakdown of the set, there are 250 cards in the set. So they're numbered 501 through 750. So the 200 base cards, 501 to 653 are base veteran cards. Guys, who've been traded and they're pictured in their new uniforms now traded during the 21-22 season or maybe early in the 22-23 season, but nobody that was traded at the trade deadline, like say Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko. So like those guys are not in their Rangers uniforms in this set. And by the way, things look, they're probably not going to be in Rangers uniforms in next year's sets either. But anyways, so 501 through 653 are base veterans. Uh, 654 through 698 are photos from the All-Star game. So it has pictures of superstar players who played in the All-Star game. And then cards 699 and 700 are base checklists. 
Now we have 50 short prints at the end. So 701 through 730 are young guns. The last card is a checklist in that. So we get 29 new young guns and a young gun checklist. Then 731 through 750 on the front of the card, they say round one draft, which is what I like to call them. But trading card database is referring to them as first round rookies. But either way, regardless of what you call them, these kind of have like this old school feel to them where it has the player wearing the hat and the jersey and they've just been drafted. And these are the kind of cards that I would actually like young guns to be. So I like these cards. I'd have no problem if they had the young gun logo on them. I mean, Alexei Lafreniere had two young guns. I mean, I know they were the same number, but a player can have more than one rookie card in the same set. And I think these meet the criteria of being rookie cards. That was more of a Easter egg rather than part of the set, though. Yes. I think what they're trying to do is, I mean, if I'm going to be perfectly honest here, you're you're basically taking all your first round picks that have been stretched through three series of cards and you're trying to kind of wrap it all up with a recap. Like, here's all your first round draft picks that we've made cards of this year. And there you go. I like it. Honestly, I like it. And I don't know why, at least on where I've looked, like on Trading Card Database, I'm not seeing like an RC designation next to it. I mean, Matty Beneers had his young gun in Series 1, and then he's got this Round 1 draft card in Series 3 or Extended Series. I don't know why that can't also be counted as a rookie card, because it came out during his rookie year, and he's wearing his NHL uniform. And it came out in an officially licensed NHL set that was issued in packs, not as a box set or at McDonald's or whatever, right? So it meets all the criteria. It checks all the boxes. So as far as I'm concerned, that's also a rookie card. I mean, if the young gun is more desirable, so be it. But to me, that's also a rookie card. These are also rookie cards. You could make a case for that. I just did. You can also use uh, use the COM-C designation of rookie year card or rookie year related card. Because I like that. I understand that this is outside the realm of the normal, hey, well, here's a rookie card, but it's the canvas. Or here's a rookie card, but it's the profiles or something like that. Well, yeah, that's a parallel or it's an insert. These are numbered as part of the base set. So technically they're a base card. And if we want to get really technical, they're also short printed like the young guns are. So, yeah, it's a valid point. I don't know with the today's definition of rookie card and how bent out of shape people get. I don't know how much support you'll get hobby-wise overall, but it is a valid argument. It's like people want rookie cards to be hard to get. And if they're not hard to get, then they get angry about it. And they're like, oh, that's not a rookie card. Dare I use one of the words that, one of the words that I hate? One of my hobby words that needs to be retired? True rookie card. I can't stand it. But that's what that argument is. Oh, this is his true rookie card. True. So there could be a million other releases. You know, you could pull the card out of OPG or Platinum or MVP or Black Diamond or the Cup or whatever. But this is his true rookie card. Mm -hmm. It's just a BS term and I hate it. And it should die. But that's what people use. Because if it's not the rookie card that fits their narrative, then it's not a true rookie. 
Right. You know, if they're a person that jumps on the bandwagon of it's got to be a future watch auto in order to be the true rookie, then that's their thing. If it's not a cup RPA, that might be their thing. If it's not the young gun, that might be their thing. Right. I mean, look what we got next year. We have one of ones that are going to be coming out for the young gun. So imagine what that's going to end up causing. Is that a real rookie card? It's a one of one. There's only one. So you're telling me the only true rookie card is a one of one. This will be a fun discussion once the new product comes out. Again, it's the eye of the beholder. And exactly. like nine times out of 10 or maybe seven times out of 10, because I tend to exaggerate, but I don't know. I haven't really been keeping track. But like when people will say to me, we'll do you have a rookie out. card of this guy? And I'll be like, yes, I do. And I'll show them that I have like three rookie cards of a player. This is like when I'm selling at a show. Then they'll be bad and be like, well, those aren't young guns. I'm like, well, one, you didn't say young guns. And two, you asked for a rookie card. And I showed you a couple different rookie cards. But I know there were a couple of nice young men at the National who were really big fans of Jason Robertson. I think they bought something from me. But then one of them was like, oh, you wouldn't happen to have any Jason Robertson rookie cards. And I said, no, I'm sorry. I don't have any like future watch autos. And they're like, no, no, no. That's what I can't afford. Just any rookie card. And I had like an Opeachy Platinum card and I had like an MVP rookie card or something like that. And they each bought one. They were like thrilled because they were like cheap Jason Robertson rookie cards. And they're like, yeah, this is our guy. And now we got a rookie card of his and we're like super stoked about it. And then he just said, hey, well, you're from Chicago. You wouldn't happen to have any Kane and Taves rookie cards that we could afford. And I'm like well, I got these rookie class cards and they're pretty affordable. And they're like, yes, awesome. Rookie cards of future Hall of Famers. I'll take them. You know what I mean? And so it's in the eye of the beholder of what is a true rookie card. So I feel like Upper Deck has really kind of figured out the formula for extended series. And we'll get to the inserts because Inserts is like a whole discussion unto itself. Inserts, parallels, whatnot. And that's kind of really what makes this set fun. So they kind of figured, you know, 200 base card series one, 200 base card series two, 200 base cards extended series. That's 600 cards. And they're probably like, well, we really don't want to stretch the selection too thin, right? Back in the day when like score knew it was going to do a series one and a series two or like when upper deck does series one series two sometimes they'll hold back some of the best players and put them in series two right you don't put all your best guys in series one because then when series two comes out people go eh Gretzky wasn't in it Lemieux's not in it Iserman's not in it Ronick's not in it Messier's not in it Broder's not in it I'm not gonna bother right because all the guys that you want is in series one and then over time what companies do when they have two series is they pace it and they say you know what We'll put Ovechkin in Series 1, and we'll put Crosby in Series 2. We'll put Patrick Kane in Series 1. We'll put Jonathan Taves in Series 2. You get the idea. They kind of space them out. Series 3, or Extended Series, is always kind of like, if it doesn't happen, it wouldn't really affect Series 1 and Series 2. There are no major players that would be missing if you just had Series 1 and Series 2 this year. So Extended Series is kind of like, uh, well, it'd be kind of nice to have some cards of the guys in their new uniforms. Let's do that. 
And then it'd be nice to have cards of like the bit players, the unsung heroes, the guys who never seem to get cards other than maybe they got a young gun five years ago when they played in like one game for two minutes or whatever. But with the all-star cards, I love cards from all-star games. I've always loved cards from all-star games. I know it seems silly to dedicate a bunch of cards to just one game. I love the all-star uniforms. Even if I don't like this year's uniform design, I love seeing the players in the all-star uniforms. And it gives people the opportunity to collect another card of their favorite players because the guys who are in the all-star game tend to be guys who are heavily collected, you know, like your Crosby and your Ovechkin. So that kind of makes the base set better. The fact that they have some of the superstars in it, albeit in all-star uniforms. And then with the rookies, the first year upper deck only did 30 young guns, right? Cause they just couldn't come up with that many. Or when they did, I think last year they ended up doing the full 50 young guns, if I remember correctly, but it wasn't that great of a rookie class. So this year they said, you know what? We're not going to push it past 30, but then we're going to do these draft pick cards that everyone's going to love and make them short printed. And maybe they can also be rookie cards. Maybe not, but at least they're doing cards of players during what their rookie year is, right? Some of those guys in that round one draft card subset, Maddie Beneers, Lucas Reichel, Owen Power, Jack Quinn, Jake Sanderson, Kent Johnson, etc. So I like that formula. And if they did this next year, I'd be good with it. It's funny you mentioned that the extended series are like leftover players that nobody cares about. Because I know when I went to look at the checklist, when I opened the box that I got, I just wanted to see what Penguins were in there. And it's funny because Penguins are 607 through 611. So there's mm-hmm. five of them mm-hmm. in extended. And it's Jan Ruda, traded. Jeff Petrie, traded. Brock McGinn, traded. Jason Zucker, traded. The only one that's still on the team is Chad Ruido out of that group. Wow. So, yeah, I just found that found that funny. Now, of course, Ruda and Petrie were recent. And the Zucker trade went down, I think, after Extended was released. So mm-hmm. those were all more recent trades. But it's just kind of funny that you would say, yeah, these are kind of like extra throwaway players that aren't necessarily the superstars, but you know, they might be third liners or that missing winger from the second line that you didn't use in the first two series. Yeah. The entire Penguins roster minus one players <laughs> no longer there. Well, you know, it's funny because I actually pulled out Jan Ruda's card as one that I just wanted to mention because he's wearing that retro jersey that I think they wore during the uh, outdoor game. With the the old Pirates jersey? The old Pittsburgh Pirates hockey jersey, yeah. Yeah. So I like that. I mean, you know, likewise with uh, even though finally he got to play um, a significant amount of games this year, um, Mason (laughs) Shaw of the Wild is pictured wearing that North Star colored wild third jersey which looks fantastic i'm looking at this other one this isn't necessarily a player that i follow but kyle connor man has some serious sick flow going on his base card that's the regular base card there's a photo variant of that the same haircut it's probably taken like seconds before Mm -hmm. but it's him skating down the ice and it's got his flow going in the back 
Nice. That's one of the photo variants that's considered the all-star skills competition photo variant. So with the all-stars, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's the regular base cards, and then there's also photo variations of those base cards. There's a second photo variant, though, as well. So if you're flipping through these cards and you didn't really notice, but you may see some pictures that look like the players are going in or out of the penalty box, that is also a photo variant that they did this year. I believe there are, I want to say, 12 or 15 of those. Most of the players on that list, I want to say, are players that you would expect to see going to the penalty box. But there are quite a few on there that were kind of a surprise when I saw the list, like Phil Kessel. I don't think Phil's really known for his uh, penalty box uh, existence. No, necessarily. he's not a heavily penalized player. And I think David Perron was on that list. I don't take him as a guy that serves many penalties either. It but, is nice, uh, though, to get a card of Phil Kessel as a uh, Vegas, Vegas Golden Knight. I seem to have gotten a lot of the suit variations in the past couple of years. I do like the penalty box variations because at least it shows the player doing something different. That's kind of like the kind of cards that we used to get back in the day. Now it seems like a lot of the cards are like this kind of like three quarters of the way up or chest up photos. Although we're starting to get some really interesting pictures. Like I'll highlight a few other ones that I like. There's one of Oscar Lindblom and he's wearing the San Jose Sharks jersey that's styled to look like an Oakland Seals jersey. Yeah. Sorry, California Golden Seals. There were the Oakland Seals and they were the California Golden Seals, the seafoam green and yellow and white. So that's a really cool picture. And then there's one of Sam Gagne, and he's wearing a warm-up jersey because his sleeve number is 1,000. So I'm assuming he wore this in his 1,000th game, like during the warm-up. Because I looked at that, I'm like, one, zero, zero, zero. I'm like, hmm, I thought all numbers had to be between 1 and 98. So, <laughs> so this must have been from his thousandth game which he played with the jets that's a cool one and i love the one of jacob middleton so it's a new photo of him with his new team the minnesota wild but he's got like this great toothless smile it's like if they did the mel bridgman card from 83 84 opg right this is what it would look like because it's like a smiling player missing teeth but it's actually a nice photo and not a ugly photo (laughs) yeah when i saw that one i was thinking Exactly. That's Dennis Marouk or that's a Oris Kindrachuk card or mm-hmm. one of those guys from mm-hmm. back in the day with the crazy mustache and missing teeth and the whole deal. Mm-hmm. But it's funny you bring up the suit photo variant yep. from previous years. I'm just glad they didn't continue the ones from this year that they did in like series two. The Swagnificent. Oh, yeah. Because. It's fine to have the suit variations, but why did they have to actually call it something and put foil stamping on the card that says that? That's the part that drove me crazy. Like, come on, really? We're going to call this Swagnificent? I didn't pull any of those, but... Another interesting photo that I'll point out is Nito Niederreiter's card. So he went from the Hurricanes to the Predators. What's interesting about this card is he's hopping the boards 
But if you look closely, he's hopping off of the Blackhawks yeah. bench. So it appears that he I got knocked that. over the boards. And now he's getting off of the Blackhawk bench and getting back into the play. I noticed that too. There's some definitely some like fun photos like that, which to me kind of feels like old school, you know, like old school upper deck cards where now like the fun photos seem to be reserved for UD canvas. And then we also got cards of like Matthew Kachuk with the Panthers and Josh Manson with the Avalanche, Peter Morazic with the Blackhawks, Auntie Ranta with the Hurricanes, Claude Giroux with the Ottawa Senators, Alex Debrinkit also with the Ottawa Senators and so forth. So it's nice to have these updated player cards, but it's also nice to have some interesting photos. And like I said, I like the base set. I like the breakdown of the short prints. I think it's okay to have 50 short prints as long as they're worthwhile. Like when they would do like all-star short prints or season highlight short prints. Remember like when they would do that, like they would round out the young guns with like five other cards that weren't young guns and they were like the short prints that nobody wanted. These feel desirable because at least they're rookie year cards, if we want to call them that. Well, and the fact that they used so many all-star cards and they're not just like regular player cards that just say all-star. They're actually mm-hmm. the players in their all-star jersey yep. doing something at the all-star game. You know, so that was good. And then you go to the young guns, which aren't as overpowering, mixed with those first round rookie cards. So, I mean, it's nice to have the variety. And I think that's what extended always is. There's a lot of extra variety here in addition to the base cards. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to just read off this list of inserts just to give you an idea of the sheer amount of inserts. Well, you already mentioned the variants, the penalty box variants and the all-star skills variants. There are a couple of different parallels. There's the clear-cut parallels, which are printed on that PETG plastic. So they have like certain areas of the card are clear. There are the French parallels. There's the UD exclusives that are numbered out of 100, and there are the UD high gloss that are numbered out of 10. Okay, so we've had those before. We're familiar with those. But then as far as inserts, there's UD canvas and UD well, canvas. Don't forget the clear-cut exclusive as well. Oh, yeah, with that's the, right. The unannounced one, that which you got one, right? Yeah, I opened a total of three boxes, and I got a UD clear-cut exclusive, which threw me for a loop because it said on it, UD exclusives, and then the upper deck logo, instead of it being in silver foil, was in gold foil. And the little piping around the player's name, the striping, piping, whatever you want to call it, it is also in gold foil. It's Alex Goligowski, so yay. Not necessarily doing the happy dance about this one, but I never seem to get any clear cuts of the guys that I collect, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, you're... See, I only opened one box. I got a clear cut in mine. It wasn't an exclusive, though, but it was the Chris Kreider All-Star. Nice. So it was a short printed one, but so that was kind of cool. But yeah, I mean, it's I got... just a regular clear cut. Right. Well, I got one clear cut per box, and one was a UD exclusive, the Goligowski, and then I got Jordan Martinook and Derek Ryan. So as far as the inserts, though, Okay, deep breath. We got UD Canvas and UD Canvas Black and White, Dazzler's Blue, Dazzler's Pink, Dazzler's Orange, Dazzler's Green. So orange and green are in retail, by the way, and blue and pink are in hobby. 
We got 2007 8 Upper Deck Retro and Retro Young Guns. More on those later. 2006 7 Black Diamond Retro and Black Diamond Retro Rookie Gems. 1997-98 Collector's Choice Commemorative is what Trading Card DB is calling them. I'm calling them whatever, but they're triptychs. They're three cards that make up a picture of the player, like three different cards of the player, and you put them together in like a nine-pocket page or at least three of them in a row, and they make up kind of like a panoramic. Yeah, we um, pulled one of these in our, a box that we had, and I couldn't find it anywhere because I didn't know really what it was. Right. So I was looking at the odds on the back of the pack and the back of the box, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. Like, right. I have no clue what this is. And I had to look it up, and I saw a Collector's Choice commemorative. I'm like, how is this Collector's Choice? Like, I don't remember puzzle pieces like this from Collector's Choice. Mm-mm. I don't all. either. Especially in 97. That threw me off. But... I got one of the Connor McDavid pieces, the third one. Nice. Which is supposedly a short printed one. Like the third piece in every puzzle. Oh. Is like, they're tiered, by the way. So like the far left piece is tier one. And those are like one out of 48 packs. So you get one every two boxes. The middle one is one out of 72. And the third one is one out of 144. So the tier three odds are like short printed pretty pretty significantly so getting that third piece supposedly harder but i did look up to see how these are selling and nobody's really putting a whole lot of value into these i got a one a two and a three i got one in each box one was the first card one was the second card one was the third card of course of all different players but anywho so we got those and then we have uh, Smooth Grooves, which are also printed on the PETG plastic. They're like that plastic type of card. I didn't get any of those. Smooth Grooves Gold Spectrum and Smooth Grooves Sapphire. We have SPX, SPX Bronze, which are numbered out of 250, and SPX Gold, which are numbered out of 50. These are die cuts. Retro History Class, Retro History Class Level 1, which are numbered out of 100, and Retro History Class Level 2, which are numbered out of 25. Black Diamond Dominance and Black Diamond Dominance Emerald. Clear Dominance and Clear Dominance Gold Spectrum. Those are also printed on plastic. Day with the Cup of Avalanche Players, because there was also Day with the Cup in Series 2, and now there's Day with the Cup in Extended Series. Holographics and Holographics Gold. Holographics Future Frame. NHL specialists, which were unannounced inserts, snow spray autographs, which were also unannounced. And, you know, if you get an autograph, more power to you because those are far and few between. Those are base numbered, too. Are they? Yeah. So if you pull one of those, it's base numbered like the rest of the base cards. It just has a different photo of the player. And it's a photo of them. Snow spray. Right. Doing the hockey stop. Yeah. And in the last two, these are also unannounced. Young Guns Acetate and Young Guns Acetate 21-22 update. So those are the plethora of inserts that you get in extended series or can get in extended series. So basically in like one box, I got like 18 inserts plus six Young Guns or whatever. Round one draft and Young Guns, whatever you want to call the short prints. Just basically... Six rookie cards and 18 inserts. And then in my other box, I got 19 and then also six short prints. And then 
think the third box was about the same. In my last two boxes, it was weird because I had one pack that would have two inserts, but all the other packs had one insert, either a young gun or short print or an insert or a parallel, like a clear cut or whatnot. So you got a lot of inserts. You get a lot of different inserts. Do I think there's too much? Yeah, probably. There's a few I could do without. I mean, I'm a big fan of holographics, and I'm a little sore that I only got one holographics in my three boxes. I also like the SPX because they're die cut and they look cool, and I wouldn't mind more of those, but that's just kind of how it is. I could do without the history class, though. Even though they're printed on these like nifty foil board stock, they're no different than many other inserts. I mean, they're called history class, but there's really nothing historical about them. It just talks about a game on the back, like he had three goals in this game, or he had two goals and an assist or whatever. Nothing historical. You know what I found weird about those is the way they're numbered. The rookies are first and then the veterans. But if you look at the odds on the wrapper, the veterans are one out of 40 and the rookies are one out of 60. So it's a lower odd to pull the rookies, but yet the rookies are numbered one through 20. Yeah, usually they put the rookies at the end, so they're right. kind of like an afterthought. So if yeah. you decide you want to go beyond the 50 or 100 or whatever the easier to get cards are. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I got one in our box, but I got Wyatt Johnston, so that was a good one. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I got Austin Matthews and Connor Hellebuck. So I got one of the SPX ones too. It was just the die cut, the blue colored one. I don't mm -hmm. know if those are, I think they're different colors, right? They're like uh, blue, blue and red maybe. Yeah. So the SPX, there's bronze. gold, bronze, and the regular, which are like a bluish silver. Bluish color. Yeah. Probably just blue. I got I one of those, but when I pulled the black diamond, I was like, wow, that's cool. Cause it reminded me of like 05 or 06. I think it's meant to be 0607. Yeah. And then I looked at it and I was like, wait a minute. I got Yuri Slavkovsky. Well, that's a quad. That's a four star. So you look at any of the old black diamond sets with the rookie gems, the quad diamonds were the hard pull. Like you might have got one per box. These were one out of 400. Ouch. So I was like, wow, one out of 400. I pulled a quad diamond. Like, that's pretty cool. And then I looked these up. <laughs> People are selling these for nothing. Like nothing. I know. Almost it's less crazy. than nothing. It would cost me more to ship these than people are selling them for. And I can't believe that for one second because this is the number one pick in the draft. You're telling me that this guy is going to get pennies for a one out of 400 odds pull? Right. Give me a break. So needless to say, I'm sitting on this one for a while to see what uh, yeah, happens. I would. And I think this kind of goes back to my earlier point, our earlier collective point about extended series not getting the respect that it deserves as a right. hockey card set. Because there are a lot of these cool cards like that Slavkovsky quadruple diamond that you pulled. And yet the investment minded collectors or the outright investors are going to just basically say, one, there's no good young guns in this set, so I'm not going to bother with it. And two, even though that is a card, a rookie card or a rookie year card of the first overall draft pick, it's not a rookie card. 
And so they're going to say, well, if it's not his young gun, I don't care. If it's not his young gun or a future watch auto or the cup rookie, I'm not interested. And that's too bad because, like you said, that's one out of 400 packs. That's a tough pull. Well, right. a black diamond, quadruple diamond is one out of 400 packs. That doesn't mean that you'd get Slavkovsky's in every 400th pack. That means you would just get one of however many of those quadruple diamonds there are. So Yeah, because I mean, there's 46 of those cards. And of the four stars, there's only six. So it's Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, and then Matty Beneers, Slavkovsky, and Shane Wright. That's all there is. And so, so you get one in every 400 packs. So yeah. that means you'd only pull that particular card. You'd have to open 2,400 packs to possibly get that card. Yeah. So it's fairly rare when it comes to a hit count. You know, all the people that busted cases and cases and cases, there's a bunch of these out there, but the odds are not reflected in the value right now. So no. like I said, that one's a hold for me, but you brought up a couple times the weak young guns. So here's the thing. And I know you'd ask me ahead of time to like kind of look at the young guns and see if there's anybody that's worth the cardboard they're printed on. Look, yes, it's weaker than series one young guns. It's weaker than series two young guns. These are leftover rookies. These are guys that didn't get put in. They're probably guys that maybe didn't get into a lot of games rookie year. You know, obviously they only had to play in one in order to get a card. So, but if you look at the list, I mean, there are some decent players actually on there. You got Jonathan Bergeron on there from Detroit. He's the right winger. I mean, he played in a ton of games this year. I think he was in like 67 games, had 28 points. He was a second-round pick back in 2018. He was 14th in rookie scoring, so I know that doesn't sound like he's blowing the world down, but still, 14th in rookie scoring out of all the rookies, even out of 100 rookies, he was 14th on the list. So not not horrible. Uh, Yuso Parsonen from the Predators, he was 16th in scoring at 25 points this year. Kirill Marchenko from the Blue Jackets, you're going to hear his name a lot probably in the next coming years, especially with that Blue Jackets team and how they're being built and everything else. I mean, he was 17th in rookie scoring. So overall, if you're looking at rookies, there's three of the top 20 this year in rookie scoring are in this set. So if you want to make a case for what's in there, there's three guys. Now, of all of those young guns, there's only two first round picks I noticed out of all the young guns that are left over there for extended. There's only two first round picks and that's Simon Holmstrom who was picked first round in 2019 and Oscar Olison, who has basically been playing in Sweden. He was Colorado's first round pick in 2021. So yeah, there's two first round picks there. Notable names. Atu Rati is on the list. Of course, he's in an Islanders uniform, but he got traded. And that was something else I noticed. A lot of these rookies are pictured in uniforms. They don't even play for those teams anymore because they've been involved in trades or they got moved down to AHL teams and then traded. So now they're part of other organizations and had their contracts sold off and all of that kind of stuff. But if you're looking at purely for are, are these guys any good? Do these guys hold any weight or anything? There's 13. 13 of the young guns are in the top 100 in rookie scoring. That also means that 16 of them 
Well, we're not. <laughs> so. And one's a checklist. Yeah. Well, I wasn't even counting that one. No, 13, so. 16, and then the last one is a checklist. I also noticed that there's like five or six guys on that list who are undrafted free agents, too. Mm-hmm. So these were guys that weren't even picked up. In fact, Jake Lucchini, or Lucchini, I don't remember how you pronounce his name because it's been a minute, but he was drafted by the Penguins in 2019. And then he got traded to Montreal. And on the card, he's in the Ottawa jersey. And when you pull up his stats, I think he comes up as part of the Minnesota Wild organization. So since he's been drafted, he's been part of four different organizations, and he's just now getting a young gun. If that doesn't tell you that this is a, a big crop of potentially leftover guys, I don't know what does. But, again, at the same time, you got three of the top 20. You got quite a few in the top 100. As far as rookie scoring, awful lot of players drafted in 18 and 19 in that grouping, which just tells you that it takes a little while for these guys to mature enough to be part of the big club. Right. Not every rookie hits the ground running or hits the ice flying or skating or whatever metaphor you want to use, because, I mean, a lot of times they get worked in as bit players. You know, they get called up for a game or two. They play a little bit. They get sent back down for more seasoning. They come back a year later. So, I mean, the guy who plays one or two games this season gets a young gun. I mean, maybe three years from now, everyone's going to be looking for his card. You never know. I mean, that's kind of the fun part of it is when you look back later and you go, oh, wow, that guy, I remember him. You know, I remember pulling this card and tossing it aside and not thinking anything of it. And then, like, years later, you come back to it and it's a pretty sought-after card. Well, how many times do we have the discussions about a guy will come out and just like all of a sudden he must be on a contract year because he's playing 10 grades above his pay grade? Mm-hmm. For instance, you know, who did we have? We had Tage Thompson, right? Yeah. Not this past season, but the previous season just came out like gangbusters. Right. And all of a sudden everybody's like, what the heck year is his young gun in? Because mm-hmm. nobody knew because he was never like a guy that people went after. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the same thing happened with uh, a few years ago with, um, what's his name, in, in the on the Rangers? Oh, uh, Chris Kreider. Yeah, it wasn't Kreider. It was uh, the other guy with the crazy name that I can't think of right now. Oh, anyway. because Zibanejad. Yes, Zibanejad, right. You know, all of a sudden, he went from like a $3 car to, he was selling for $45, $50, like crazy. It's like, why? He scored like five points in multiple games he had a five goal game crazy. i think he had a few game scoring streak or something and to go with it and people went crazy and like where's his young gun it's like a million years ago so right but he's trying to dig out those young guns so you know we're by no means a prospecting podcast anybody that's listened for five minutes knows that we're not an investment geared podcast but if i was to just say ah these are garbage young guns eh, i'd be remiss so that's what I'm saying. You know, Bergeron's a decent one. Parsonen's a good one. I think Marchenko, that's a sleeper one. You know, pack some of those away. I think you're going to hear that name. But, you know, Pontius Holberg from the Leafs. You know, Mac Hollowell is in there. He actually outscored Shane Wright this year. He was ranked one ahead of him on the scoring list. So another Maple Leaf. So, you know, they have the benefit of playing in a market that everybody pays attention to. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two names that you could, you know, put on your list as well. But yeah, so they're not all they're not all scrubs. They may seem like it, but there might be a couple gems in there. 
It just takes a couple years to get to that point. I want to talk about the 2007-2008 Upper Deck Retro Parallels. I like these two. I mean, I remember two years ago, they did the 0506 Parallels. And we were like, oh, that was Crosby's rookie year. And then they did the 0607 Parallels last year. And now they're doing the 0708. I say Parallels. I mean to say Insert. Parallel implies that the entire set is also part of this, but it's not. It's like 50 cards or 100 cards or something. It's not the entire 200-card base set and 50-card Young Gun set. If they did, that would be a parallel set. Just to check myself, I say parallels, but really, I guess what I should say are inserts, because that's what they are. There's got to be 100, because I'm looking at this one of Dylan Strom, and it's numbered 72. So Yeah, um, there's 70, 75, 75 base, and then um, 25 Young Guns. Yeah, I mean, I pulled the young gun of Lucas Reichel of the Blackhawks, and I looked at it, and I just was like, oh, that was like the same design that they used for Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves' young guns, you know? So I look at this, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Now, now it's kind That's of That's a good fun, pull for you. Kind of fun, but also kind of sad to be nostalgic about stuff for my adulthood. Like, it's one thing to look at that and go, oh, I remember that when I was like 12 years old, and now it's kind of sad to be like, Oh, yeah, I remember that when I was 33 years old. (laughs) Well, what's crazy is there were a lot of people coming up to the table, at least over the weekend at the National. When the Kane or Taze Young Gun came out, they were 12 years old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I pulled one of the Young Gun retros, too, but mine was Kachetkov from the Hurricanes. Oh, I might have to trade you for that. I also got Samuel Poulin. Of the Penguins. Oh, did you? Nice. Yep. And I got Matej Blumel from the Dallas Stars. Those seem to fall about one per box. Yeah, I think that's what they were. Yeah. I liked the 0708 design. It was actually kind of a very understated design. When I got back into collecting hockey cards, I kind of missed out on most of 0506. I started in pretty heavy with 0607 Upper Deck. And in 0708 Upper Deck, I also collected, but maybe not as much as I did in 0607, because it was just kind of hard to find them in Chicago because of Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves' rookie cards. But the 0708 design is just very simple, because it's like you have, like, the player name at the bottom, a stripe on the side. I mean, compared to, like, some of the designs that we've seen in later years, something like uh, the 0708 design, it's, I don't know, it just has this really nice, clean look to it. I'm not trying to sell you on going out and buying a 2007-2008 Upper Deck set, although I would recommend it. But yeah, I think this is just a nice set to bring back into people's conscious. You know, I did get an exclusive out of 100 of Robert Thomas of the Blues. So it's kind of odd because it's like it's an insert, but it's also an exclusives of that insert. Yeah, they did the exclusives on those and also the high gloss. So there's numbered out of 10 versions, too. Did not get one of those, though, in any of my boxes. I've never pulled a high gloss out of any box I've ever opened. I don't think I've ever pulled a high gloss either. I think that, like, with lots of different inserts, I mean, I do say, okay, there's maybe one or two or three too many insert sets, and I'm always going to, like, kind of, like, frown upon, like, the parallel versions of the inserts because, like I said, there's so much going on that people just kind of give up. People like went from trying to collect all the inserts to not even bothering with anything because it just became too impossible. 
But that being said, I do like the inserts. I mean, I do like how the graphics, I do like the SPX. I do like anything that's printed on the plastic, like the clear dominance or even the smooth grooves because they just have a nice feel to them. I guess, you know, you put Dazzlers in it and people really like Dazzlers. So this makes them want at least maybe not to buy extended series, but they'll pick up the Dazzlers on the secondary market. So, you know, there's some in-demand inserts here, too. Everybody likes a rainbow. That's, they like the that's Dazzlers. The hot thing. They like the canvas. Those clear dominants, I got one of those, too. Those are one out of 120 packs, too. Wow. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so like I said, I like the mix that they do with the base cards being a mix of traded players, bit players, and stars in their all-star uniforms. The short prints being a mix of young guns and players from their draft day photos to round that out. I like the retro-themed inserts. I don't necessarily like all of the inserts in Extended Series, but I don't think that's like a major detriment for it. Because, you know, the base set is pretty easy enough to put together. And, you know, I don't feel like there's an overwhelming amount of inserts where it prevents you from trying to complete the set. Because there's like one insert per pack. And I always feel like that's kind of the right ratio. Now, that's going to go out the window next year because it's probably going to be like three inserts per pack. But we'll see. Maybe we'll maybe I'll like it. Well, and there's one insert that I have yet to see because it hasn't come out yet. And those are the champs rookies. They're only on EPAC. Really? Yes. I haven't seen what they look like yet, and I'm not sure what they're going to do secondary, but once they come out, I'm sure they'll hit Comp C, and once there's 50 or 60 of them, they'll be dirt cheap, but they're apparently one per box. Hmm, okay. So, you know me and my affinity for Champs. Well, yeah, I mean, Champs is a so. great set. It's got that old-timey look to it. So any other thoughts about Extended Series? I mean, if you like a variety, it's definitely worth worth a shot to go after, and especially with the price going down. Um, I think at the at the big show, you, know, you could find them for about eighty bucks, but regularly they're about ninety ninety five. You could still find so, last year's extended series pretty easily. Oh, people were selling last year's extended for thirty bucks a box at the national because it was like ah, we don't care, we could care less about this this sucks we're not selling it and it kind of makes me laugh because you go back and you look at the young gun checklist from last year and it's a little you know it's a little rough but you know it's got guys on the list that are pretty decent prospects in team systems Mm -hmm. and so picking up a couple 30 dollar boxes and maybe stashing them away for a rainy day I wouldn't hate on you for doing that. No, that's not a bad idea, actually. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah, especially with the way people are doing that now. If you want a this year product for under 100 bucks, it's a pretty good variety. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, is that if you like Upper Deck Series 1 and Upper Deck Series 2, you got to get this set. You just need it to complete your set to finish it. I mean, like I said, three-act play or three-act movie or whatever. Extended Series really does complete it. I always think Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2 is the best set, but having the more cards, I think, in my mind, makes it the best set. The only downfall to all the inserts is I'm 30 cards short on the base, 4 cards short on the All-Star, and, of course, a ton short on the Young Guns. 
right in, yeah in first round rookies but yeah 30 cards short out of a box i was like it's a little rough when yeah but, but that's not that's bad right. you probably got around 165 base cards and there weren't any doubles not true i did get one double really yeah i was shocked are you weird. sure it's not the french parallel positive i got one french parallel and that was not that was not it you know, like I said, if you collect Series 1 and Series 2, you got to collect this set. If you want something that has a lot of variety and a lot of fun inserts, it's worth looking into. If you're just a hobby bro who just wants to invest, this probably isn't for you because it's not a quick flip. It's a long-term yeah. investment, but it's a it's it's definitely something that might pay off in five years, but it won't pay off in five weeks or five months necessarily. Yeah, you got to play the long game on this if you're looking for some of these rookies to make it. Although they're all in there, so they all played at least one game. Many, many of them played exactly one game. <laughs> so Yeah, in a way, though, if you think about it, like Series 1 and Extended Series, it's like Upper Deck is like scraping the barrel in both cases. Although this year's Series 1, and I say this year meaning 22-23, Series one, you had Matt Boldy, you had Owen Power, you had Maddie Beneers, and you had Jack Quinn. You had like four really decent young guns in series one. So it didn't feel like leftovers, even though those were guys who came into the league towards the end of the previous season, which qualified them to be in series one. It had enough good rookies, but like a lot of times we've looked at series one and been like, yeah, there's one guy that everybody's going to want and 48 guys that nobody wants and one checklist. Right. So here I kind of feel like, okay, well, at least it's only 30 guys. You know, and of course, I think only players up to the all-star break can be included as a young gun. And I think anybody after the all-star break, then they get held over for series one in the fall. That's how that works. So... All right, well, I think I'm good to go. I got a whole mess of base cards to sort, so I think we should wrap this one up. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you've enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and subscribe. Please give us a follow on social media. I'm at Puck Junk on Twitter. Tim is at the Real DFG on Twitter. Also sign up for the new Puck Junk email newsletter at puckjunk.com slash newsletter. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.